We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void or prohibited. Welcome to the RotoWire Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit. That'll get you a free contest entry with your first deposit on DraftKings.com today. All right, it is Tuesday, March 22nd. Nick Whalen joined by DJ Trainer. We've been doing a lot of podcasts together lately. You've been filling in for James, been doing our own podcast, we've been doing a little bit of radio, but good to keep it going. Yeah, it's it's amazing that uh, we're still able to fit in this small room together. Uh, we're not at each other's throats. I actually think I still kind of like you. I, I consider you a friend, and um, kudos I, to us for for making this thing work. We're we're getting towards <laughs> the end of the season. A lot of NBA teams are crapping out, but not this duo. No, no, we are the the Pistons, I guess, of uh, of podcasts in a lot of ways. You know, you're a self you're a self loathing person. Well, they're hanging around. They win. They win at the buzzer last night. I think we're scrappy in, in a lot of ways, like they are. Uh, we'll talk about that game. Andre Drummond getting the the game winning tip in against Milwaukee. But I think the more shocking and more relevant game from last night is San Antonio falling on the road to Charlotte, uh, coming off of that that big win at home against Golden State on Saturday. This is basically the proverbial hangover game, right? I suppose so, but I mean, if any team is... You have to rally the troops for this because you play the Warriors two more times. You're only three games behind them. You have a legitimate chance to get the one seed and shock everyone who thought the Warriors are the best regular season team of all time after coming off that win. Doesn't happen. Popovich says, you know, we were basically out to lunch during this game. 
I, man, what a just like a gut punch to the San Antonio Spurs fan base and me, who's kind of who was kind of excited to see uh, an electric finish to the season as you continue to shake your head. Yes. I mean, a gut punch. They yeah. they have like the second or third best record ever at this point. I mean, they're they're fine. But they could have home court advantage against the Warriors. And there's we talked that requires all... like a Warriors mini collapse though. What do you mean? They play they play they play the Warriors two more times. They beat them two more times yeah, that's within true. one that's game. True. It's as simple as yeah, that. Yeah, I forgot yeah, yeah, okay, you're right. I forgot about the two matchups uh, down the stretch. But if I mean if the Spurs lose one or two more games before those, they probably don't try, right? I mean, they got their win at home over the Warriors. I think they kinda needed that. That was their confidence win. That was their you know, just you know, especially after what happened in that first game, that was there. Okay, we can actually play with these guys, and we can we can make them play our style. I think that the fact that they got that out of the way in game two, you know, against the Warriors this season, gives me le- <clears throat> excuse me gives me less hope as I as I croak up. away here. Yeah, <laughs> gives me less hope uh, that that we'll get to see a full Spurs Warriors matchup. You know, the rest of the season and. I don't know. I mean, we got two of them. Is that really the best you could ask from Popovich? No. If they would have won this game, those last two games of the season between those two would have been absolutely amazing. That would be. That actually would be interesting just for the narrative of Golden State. You know, if, if they if they lose three out of four to San Antonio going into the playoffs. Yeah, I know. And not even only two that, out of four. Even, not only that, but like the Spurs had a legitimate chance. It's not going to happen now. They're four games back. They have an eleven game cushion on the Thunder. There's no reason for them not to just ease off the the gas pedal and just go into the home stretch do whatever you got to do in terms of resting your guys maybe give LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard a couple games off I don't think that's a terrible idea considering they've been kind of shouldering the load over the last two months so uh, all that fanfare all that fun that I was ready to talk about today went out the window yesterday when they lost to the Hornets on the on the heels of Jeremy Lin coming off the bench too and Jeremy Lin thinks yeah, I think Popovich kind of placed the blame for this one on the bench mostly. Saying I think he said the bench specifically was was out to lunch uh, in this one, and and that is reflected really. I mean, you, you never want to harp too much on single game plus minus, but all five Spurs starters were positive, and every single bench player was negative. With Patty Mills at a, a minus thirteen in sixteen minutes, you know, a guy who was matched up with Jeremy Lin, who you know to be fair had probably his best game of the season 29 7 and 2 11 of 18 from the field made four three-pointers that's as many as the Spurs had as a team so you know it wasn't it wasn't a complete breakdown you know disaster game for the Spurs it was you know a fluky game on the other side a little bit of a letdown after what happened Saturday and and I, I think it's it's slightly disappointing if they were actually, you know, kind of chasing that one spot. But in my mind, I don't think they care too much about it. I think they want home court advantage. I think every team wants home court advantage, but I don't think they're going to be willing to, you know, to make a huge run at it and risk kind of tiring out some of these veterans for what ultimately is could be a futile cause. Right. And I think that it was almost kind of falling into their lap. Like they were ready to concede home court advantage in the Western Conference. But, you know, you go, you come along, you're really still close. You're still close. You beat them. It's like, oh, wow, we could do this all out the window. Like I said, we're going to do trivia at the end of this podcast like we always do. But last night was that Jeremy Lin's season high in points, 29, yes or no? Yes. No, it was not. He put up 35 on Toronto, December 17th, 47 minutes of action. Uh, I think I'm going to need to see the video on that. I think uh, Kemba might have been out that game, and he basically played the entire game, 35 points. So um, I, He has these weird games because if you look at pricing for DFS on DraftKings or whatnot, and his, his price is very low, very low, but it's because of inconsistency more so than anything else. Yeah, I mean, even just looking at his game log right now for the month, you know, six points, fourteen points, seven points, one point, five points, sixteen points, twenty nine points. It, yeah, I mean, he's shooting. He's kind of a feaster famine guy in a lot of ways, especially in DFS. You know, I mean, the other night, zero for four against Orlando from three, and then you know, like we just said, now he's six of his last six over the last two games. So, I think we're getting a little bit of a insanity revival. Oh, I hope so. Will not nearly be as big if it's based out of Charlotte, but uh, I'm this is a ready. potential finals preview last night. It could be. It really <laughs> could be. <laughs> um, the other big game, or, or maybe not so much a big game, but a big storyline type of game. Uh, Denver uh, going up against Cleveland. This is a, a Cavs team that that fell in pretty horrific fashion to Miami in a game that that was kind of lost from the start. It looked like uh, for them. Starters played minimal minutes. LeBron ended up with a nice line, but you know Kevin Love, Kyrie, and reduced minutes didn't really do much. They get back to business. LeBron, big time triple double uh, last night. 
Kind of an off game, though, for Kyrie. You know, you look at a score like this, as lopsided as it was, and, you know, with the line that LeBron had with all those assists, you figure Kyrie probably picks up some extra production because of that. But that really wasn't the case. It was Cavs 124, Denver 91, Kyrie just eight points, four of 12 from the field. Do you think it's a confidence issue with him right now, or is it just something where it seems to me where, you know, this is LeBron's team. No one's debating that. But I almost feel like Kyrie seems like he needs to or is playing like he's trying to prove something these last few games and it hasn't necessarily worked out. First of all, inexcusable with Kevin Love out of the lineup that Kyrie Irving only scores eight points. So let's He did only there. play 24 minutes, to be fair, but he took 12 shots. Uh, superstars should be able to put up 20 points in 24 minutes. Yes. Um, especially when you look around the lineup and your best player on the court, James, isn't... I mean, he can get you buckets, but he's not necessarily like a proverbial scorer like a Kevin Durant or a Carmelo Anthony or somebody like that is. And so you're looking at Channing Fry, Mozgov, J.R. Smith is on the court alongside... Kyrie Irving should be scoring more points points period I think the case can be made for everybody on this team besides LeBron saying that they don't really know what to do I think Tristan Thompson is the maybe the the one with the surest footing of what he knows what his role on this team is to get rebounds put him back in um, play solid defense other than that I think you have guys just kind of wandering around not knowing exactly what their role on the team is obviously the the, the minutes kind of break down the same every single time but um, you know do you want Delhi to be a distributor probably not when LeBron's on the court because you'd rather have LeBron distribute. Well, do you want Delhi to be a corner three-point shooter? He's been one of the best three-point shooters in the league this so far, but ideally he wouldn't be your main threat from beyond the arc. And so you have a lot of guys wandering aimlessly and it's funny enough that Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, your second and third best players, are doing just the same. It's not all these role players trying to find a spot. It's, It's everybody on this team doesn't quite know what's going on. That said, you know, I'm always going to bring it back to this. They're Eastern Conference favorite. They're going to blow through, and they still have a legitimate chance to win the title. You would like to see a roster this good that's 50 and 20 have more confidence. It is amazing how much this team lacks confidence, uh, considering how good they truly are. Yeah, I think that I think that hits it right on the head, and they're so deep too. You know, I, I, there were problems at the beginning of last season with the depth of the roster and with the fit, but. The pieces would seem to be in place. I mean, you go you go seven, eight, nine deep with with proven, experienced NBA players. So the the confidence issue is a little bit puzzling, especially for a guy like Kyrie. But it doesn't matter when LeBron's a plus thirty eight in thirty three minutes. That that is absurd. Um, the bigger story, though, and I I think we I guess we have to talk about yeah. this. I mean, we'll, hopefully we'll keep it short. LeBron James has unfollowed the Cleveland Cavaliers official Twitter account. We were talking about this before the show. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's a well-executed human being. But what I don't understand is he refused to answer the question after that reporter sheepishly asked it to him. Well, you know, I, I hate to ask this question. Yeah, that was uh, that was hilariously uh, phrased. And then the reporter afterward that like chimes in, trying to you know trying to like mitigate the situation. Uh, oh, LeBron, you had thirty eight assists last night. Is this something you can do after? Just come on, dude. <laughs> come yeah. on, dude. Obviously, you're 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 in awe of LeBron James, but stand tall, man. Stand tall. Yeah, just ask the question. It, yeah, I don't I don't remember the name of the reporter who asked him, but it was a I think it was a Cleveland dot com guy. It's not some wasn't some you right. know, blogger he knows who LeBron. went in there. Yeah, He's it's like, LeBron for a long time. You know what this question is? You know, you know, probably I don't think he was super surprised by LeBron's you know kind of terse response to you, it. He you definitely want to know the answer. It's not like you're like. Somebody had to ask him. Somebody had to ask him. Just just ask him. The funny thing, though, is like LeBron James, I said this before to you before we started, all you have to say is, touch screens, man. Sometimes they suck, huh? And then this whole thing goes away. Nah, I mean, maybe. I, I think he would have to give some – I mean, people – the way that people treat LeBron and are so skeptical of everything that he does, like he would need – you know, like some sort of software log that shows someone else's fingerprint unfollowed the Cavs. You know, like there would still be these theories all over the place. But you, you have to give an answer. I don't care what that answer is. It, it would, it, would it have been better for him to just say, "Yeah, I unfollowed him," and then just end it right there? Would that be better than the, you know, kind of stammering, no comment? I suppose. Now here's here's my here's my twisted theory. Everybody's got twisted theories, so just throw mine in a bucket with everybody else's. Um, in a similar way. 
to the Los Angeles Lakers when you have rookies like D'Angelo Russell, uh, young guys like Julius Randle coming along, and they've been living in the shadow of Kobe Bryant's farewell tour. And when we look back on this, I think we're actually going to say, you know what, that was a positive, that they weren't scrutinized as much as maybe they should have been or could have been had Kobe not been in the picture. If we're looking at the Cavs team, I think they're struggling. You know, Irving scoring eight points should be a massive deal. That should be a headlining story against a team like the Denver Nuggets, who's one of the worst in the league so far, uh, for all the reasons I just talked about, right? And so, if anything, I think LeBron is smarter than everybody out there, and he's just trying to shoulder the attention, uh, the pressure. He's trying to shoulder as much as that, much of that as he can, because he knows he can handle it. I think he knows that Irving, Love, the rest of the guys on the team cannot handle being scrutinized and being pressured. Um, and, you know, in order for him to have the best shot and for the rest of his teammates to be level headed and face the playoffs, I think he has to do dumb little things like this uh, to distract attention away from his guys. I agree with that theory uh, you know, at the root level that LeBron, you know, is consciously kind of protecting those guys especially Kyrie I think I think that's that's very legitimate but I don't I don't it's hard for me to believe that he's I mean is he sitting there with Maverick Carter in a in a dark room and like planning out like all right March 21st that's the day that I'm gonna unfollow the Cavaliers on Twitter it, you know it just seems it seems like a you know some sort of like detective film where he says like you know so I know this reporter will check and he'll see that I'm not following them anymore you know like it all just seems like very grandiose to me that that he's kind of orchestrating this whole thing like wouldn't it just be easier to, to like come out after a game and look a reporter dead in the eye and say you know i accept the criticism or stop criticizing these guys like this all just seems like too much of a production well, for this, it to be orchestrated this happened earlier in the season let's not forget when kevin love says hey all the own it starts with that guy over there he takes the blame and it goes down and that didn't work out whatsoever i know that situations are a little bit different but when you start to put blame on certain people and deflect it from others that gets more dicey than just doing a little catty thing like this like something on twitter now you were telling me about before that now, this sounds funny, but it kind of plays into my theory here that LeBron is starting to wear hats similar to what Kyrie does and that he, on the practice court, he's wearing sleeves. Now, if we're trying to boost Irving's confidence and deflect attention away from him, wouldn't doing little things like that, like kind of being buddy-buddy, building up his confidence, saying, hey, I like your style, bode well into my theory of you know sheltering and just like kind of holding Irving's hand along this journey? I mean, maybe. Do we? Is that what Kyrie wants, though? I mean, it kind of doesn't seem like it, you know, judging from those reports last month or earlier this month, I don't know when they were about him, you know, not being happy with his role, kind of wanting to be more of a star type of guy. And I, I don't know. I think, I mean, he's not, Kyrie's not a rookie. I mean, he's a young guy, but he's, what is he in his fifth year? I mean, I I think it's, I don't think he views himself as like in desperate need of this little brother or to be the little brother to a guy like LeBron. I'll say this. The seasons that he had, there were absolutely no expectations. Everybody knew the Cavs were going to be very bad. So every time he went out there and gave you a 40, 50 perform, 40 or 50 perform, goodness gracious, 40 or 50 point performance, um, you know, it was just all bonus. There were no expectations. There were no pressure. And now we're seeing the weight of the world on his shoulders and on Kevin Love's shoulders. And we know LeBron James can shoulder that load. He's done that in Miami. He did that in Cleveland by himself when he was taking the teams to the playoff when it was just solely on his back. So I, you know, you can say this, you know, Irving's been in the league. He's technically a veteran, that kind of stuff and love too, but they have not had the same situation. Kevin Love going back to Minnesota, everything he did was just like, Oh, pat him on the back. Good job. You did it. Um, they have not been in the same situation. This is completely different. And so if I'm going to take some wacky theory, I think that LeBron James is trying to protect these guys because they truly don't know how to play under the type of pressure i mean as someone who's who's not so secretly rooting for lebron to to pull this off this year i hope that's the case i hope there isn't some sort of because i mean if it's not the case this is going to blow up in the off season at some point right i mean all this all these little things keep building up and kind of snowballing into this just odd narrative of seems like once a week you know i'd scroll through twitter before i go to bed and you know there's jokes about lebron going back to miami and leaving cleveland again and it's just it doesn't make sense for him to do all this. It's just, it's creating more of a distraction unless that is somehow what he wants. I don't know. I just, I have a hard time believing he's consciously planning out every single move like this just to create this big firestorm that doesn't seem to be productive at all for anybody. Like, who is it helping? 
Yeah, I, I keep going back to the Lakers situation in LeBron. He calls himself a student of the game. He studied the game in the past. He's very attentive to things that are happening in the league. And I think that he could very easily be looking at the Kobe Bryant situation and realizing that D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, guys like that haven't had to face the scrutiny that maybe they would have had the Kobe Bryant saga not been ongoing and still going on and so maybe he's taking a little pillar from that and trying to apply it in his own way because obviously he can't announce his retirement all he can do is dumb little things like unfollow the Cavs on Twitter yeah I mean it's it's possible uh, I will find I'm this eventually we're going to find out things like this are going to leak out maybe it'll be years from now hopefully it'll be sooner than that but very very bizarre story as we I mean this is such a 2016 story you know, like imagine trying to explain to someone even five years ago that the number one lead story on a given day as the playoffs approach in the nba is that a player unfollowed his team's social media account it's just it's bizarre let's go brian windhorse we were all waiting for you to weigh in on this yeah i mean windhorse has got to have something coming i mean after he he's still probably getting the stick him off of his hands <laughs> after that, i mean this has just been a weird week for nba news i mean that the stick him thing aside we don't have to talk about that um but what we do have to talk about, SeatGeek. DJ, have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most definitely. As you know, most sites make it complicated and they try to sneak in huge fees at the checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to sell sports and concert tickets. We've talked about using them or using SeatGeek to go to the Big Ten tournament, to go to the Final Four. Yeah. College basketball coming to a close. I don't really foresee myself going to Houston, although if... I don't know what would have to happen if Vito Brown goes off twice this weekend. And I already texted a couple of friends. If Wisconsin pulls it off on Sunday, I might go. So obviously SeatGeek's coming into, into play there. But I'm watching on ESPN right before we recorded. Baseball's already started out of nowhere. They're playing games in Cuba. I don't know if SeatGeek operates in Cuba. But you know, if you're looking to go to a game stateside, Brewers tickets should be very available this year. SeatGeek would be the place for that. I would rather go to a Cubs game, and you know I'm not a huge Brewers fan, so I, don't, I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm not defecting from the Brewers despite what should be a tough year. But I've heard Cubs tickets are already nearly impossible to get for you know what's expected to be their best season in maybe forever. Uh, but the SeatGeek app is the way to go for that. Have you been to Wrigley Field? I've been to it. I've never been inside of it. I've okay. touched it. Yeah. No, that's kind I actually yeah. You've kinda, been to Wrigley Field. Like, Yep, sure enough. I have. Yeah, I have a friend who lives very close. So I've I've walked in the shadows of, of Wrigley Field, but I've never been inside. Fair enough. We should go. We should head down there, use SeatGeek app. It will be tough, but obviously using the SeatGeek app will help us find good deal. The cool thing about Wrigley is, I, I think it's honestly, I think it's actually overrated because it's run down. The food's not that great. Um, it's more nostalgic than yeah. anything else. I don't think anybody's going to fight you on those. No, I don't <laughs> think so either. Uh, but, uh, you know, any seat is good because you're just trying to get that feel of what it was like to attend a baseball game so long ago um so we should do it use the SeatGeek app and we'll get out there we'll I mean, we've got 162 games we need to do it while the sun is shining yeah absolutely and i mean only 81 of those will be at wrigley i guess but i, I would love to go this summer SeatGeek is the you, only place. you and your formalities with 81 games at home whatever well i mean if you want if you want <laughs> just let's just be realistic here i don't want i don't want people to you know to think that they can just use SeatGeek to go to a Cubs game when the Cubs are on the road. I mean, if they want to see him at Wrigley, they're going to have to see him at Wrigley. Uh, but I already have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I know Derek Van Riper said he was using it uh, when he was in New York, actually, this weekend. Just used it the other day, uh, like I said, to look at tickets for Houston. Already previewing a little bit. It's very hard this time of year to not get your hopes up. You know, you look at Notre Dame at, you know, as a Wisconsin fan, and yeah, they seem beatable. Then you got the UNC-Indiana uh, line kind of above us, but you know we're getting we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. Well, I will already. say this: I, I went to the one in Dallas two years ago. You went to the one in Indianapolis, yes. And the one in the potential one in Houston for Wisconsin would be the sweetest of all three. So it would be fitting for us to just head. It would be the down it would there. be the sweetest because it wasn't expected, but it would also it would also come with the least expectations of winning at all, sure. which can be good and bad, I guess. You know, it, there's less pressure, but there's you're also you know I'd also be going there not expecting the team to win which was not the case last year might have to pick up a rockets game on the way down there yes 41 regular season games in houston for the <laughs> rockets uh but SeatGeek has taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets using that app they pull all the available tickets on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal you can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the prices fall even better 
Every ticket on SeatGeek is ranked based on value, so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, they show you the full ticket price from start to finish and never try to trick you with huge fees on the checkout page. And our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, you need to download the app, of course. You need to go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code and enter the promo code, all caps, R-W-M-B-A. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made that first ticket purchase. Again, download the free SeatGeek app and enter the promo code R-W-N-B-A. Looking at the next game, Nick, from Monday... What a boring game. Like, just this matchup is so unsexy. Something about the Pacers. I just don't. I can't get up for them. Yeah, Pacers do win 91 to 75. Uh, I mean, what do you even want to talk about here? I've been pleasantly surprised. Uh, do we with, have to? I guess we don't have to. Jan Mahimi, Miles Turner, uh, been pretty pr- surprised by them. I really thought Jordan Hill was going to step into a lot of minutes this year. We, that hasn't been the case. 76ers, this whole tanking thing has not worked out. Do we. Do we still think, because we've talked about this, let's just touch on it, it's been a while, that Nerlens Noel, Jalil Okafor, or Joel Embiid will be traded by next year's trade deadline? By next year's deadline. So a little less than one I think year. if it happens, it would, be, it would probably be an off-season deal. Um, but you know, I guess that would technically be before next season's deadline. It, we'll wait and see what happens in the draft. Um, nothing's off the table with this team at all. You know, if it, it's interesting, you know, if they, they have Sarge coming over, I, I mean, he's more of a, a wing guy, so probably doesn't really factor into that decision a ton, but a guy who could conceivably maybe be a stretch four at some point, And you're already playing one of these centers out of position most nights when Okafor is healthy, at least who, I don't know. I mean, I, I really can't give you, if I had to guess, I would say, yes, I think one of them is, is gone. I think so. Uh, it's just hard to say, like, who even has the highest value of those three right now? Noel, I guess. I think he has the surest value. Yes, you know, definitely. You know what you're going to get out of him, and of course it helps that he's been in the league for a couple of years now. Um, Okafor is, is pretty solid, but you kind of see him going the way of, uh, you know, a David Lee or an Al Jefferson or a Greg Monroe, all three guys who have been essentially benched at portions of the season because it just doesn't make any sense to have them up on the court uh, matchup-wise. And so while you love the fact that Okafor has just polished post moves and he can really score on anybody he wants to at any given time, um, it's just... He's not playing into today's NBA. So in terms of a well-rounded NBA player I would love to have on my team for the next 10 years, I certainly wouldn't be going with Okafor because he'd be a dangerous guy to possess or lock up knowing where the NBA is headed when you're playing LeBron James at the five, when you're playing Draymond Green at the five. I mean, freaking Jared Dudley played five for the Wizards at points this year. If that's ever happening or if you have any other iterations on any other teams over the next five, 10 years, Okafor simply can't be on the court. So I certainly like Noel, Joel Embiid. I mean, whatever we get from him is just going to be kind of like, it's going to be, again, like I said before, just like pat on the back, congrats. There's absolutely no expectations for him whatsoever. I mean, I'm really not putting anything on him. I don't think the 76ers have either because they have Noel and Okafor. Right. I think the the Embiid situation is the most intriguing of all because he seems like a player who – some teams wouldn't touch at any cost at this point. You know, some of the teams, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, Boston seems like a team that would probably just not want to deal with that. San Antonio, you know, the established franchises that don't want to mess up anything they have going or give up an actual piece to bring in a guy who might never play. Well, I, I, you, should, you should clarify that they wouldn't give up a legitimate return piece. I, mean, yeah, I yeah, think that, established yeah. teams like I mean, that would, sure, like some to team have, would, bring him would on, like to but, take a chance on him, but it would have to be at a very right, low price. Exactly. It's going to take a team that's willing, you know, that, you know, basically a GM that's kind of in love with his potential or fell in love before the draft and you know, still thinks they can mold him. It's the same reason that Andrew Bynum kept sticking around. You know, he's, he's yeah. pulling gas station hoses out of the out of the pump and driving down the road with them and still getting you know two more deals after that um greg odin similar right yeah i mean somebody's always going to think that they can be the guy who resurrects things and especially when a guy like whiteside starts doing what he does that kind of that kind of re-sparks the you know that flame i think for some teams to see that hey it is possible you know to salvage somebody who looked like their career was over so 
And, and to be fair, Whiteside didn't have the injury issues. That's the bigger thing, you know, with with Embiid is there there were some off the court issues. I think those were more of a product of just kind of being bored. It sounded like you know not being able to do what you've been doing uh, for the however many previous years of your life. So yeah, I mean, I would like I would like them to shake things up. I don't see how you can go forth with these three centers as probably your three best players. Um, it'll just be interesting to see what the market is. I think I think Okafor had a market at the deadline this year. We'll see where that's at. Probably not a guy whose value is going to plummet a ton, but probably not going to skyrocket much either. Noel, I think, has it would be able to fetch the most right now because he's the most polished. Um, and then Embiid, you know, some some team would probably be willing to give you nothing for him. Other teams would definitely be willing to talk. Yeah, see, the the question I have with this, and we can move on because there, there are far more interesting topics to be had. We could talk about this pretty much all offseason if we want to, is that – I wonder if Embiid is going to have more value right now, trade value right now, with the allure, that mystique um, that you just talked about, Nick, um, or if he'll have more value when he actually gets on the court. And that's what you know, Jerry Colangelo and the coaching staff and the front office for the Sixers are trying to figure out right now is – you know, is this going to be the highest value that he's ever going to have? And so they're probably, you know, they're they're watching him under closed doors, and so they're scrimmaging. I'm sure, undoubtedly, even though they publicly haven't said that he's out in scrimmaging, and they're trying to decide: is this guy going to be a legitimate NBA player? If not, then we should trade him now when his value is probably as high as it'll ever be. And so that that's the interesting question for me. Of course, you and me, Nick, we won't know for another year or two um, where his value was the highest. But what does your gut tell you? I think that's a good point. That was a point I was going to make too. Is there's that mystique value of like you know he can't necessarily hurt his value right now. Like it can only get so low. Like if he comes back and plays ten games and is terrible and you know fractures his knee again, then his value is uh, then it's gone. Yeah. yeah. So you still have that. You know, you, it's it's certainly his value's diminished quite a bit since since draft night. I mean that that goes without saying, but. It's still salvageable at this point. You know, you kind of risk exposing him and, and lowering that value even a little more if you put him on the court. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but like you said, it could also increase the value. It's hard to say. Tough decision. The 76ers haven't necessarily made a whole lot of good decisions by there. So whatever they decide to do, expect the opposite to be the better outcome. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, Orlando, Boston. Celtics hang on in this one. <clears throat> Excuse me, some late late heroics from you asking our me man Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> I mean, this is another one. It's like, yeah, I mean, sure, this this game did happen. Uh, <laughs> don't really have a lot to say about it. I was glued in to Milwaukee at Detroit. Um, no longer like kind of the. This was kind of the Bucks' closest thing to a rivalry for the last few years, which is extremely sad because it wasn't even anything near a rivalry. But you know, after the the Jennings trade to Detroit, the Brandon Knight, Middleton was former Piston, um, you know, Monroe obviously a former Piston. But now with Jennings and Ilyasova gone, it just didn't have the same mystique. Yeah, and the the fact that you're pulling up all those relationships and just like that, I even forgot. It's just. It, it's fun to think this is a, a rivalry, but it's just it's unfor- super it's not a rivalry. Not. Um, um, our boy Jabari Parker, you know, we love to hate on him. We always get hate tweet mentions on on Twitter, of course, saying that we were always too hard on him. He'd been playing well of late: five points, six rebounds, two assists. Where are you at? Hit me up on Twitter at Trainer DJ at Nick at Waylon. I don't know. He he just couldn't mis- maintain that. This is essentially is his rookie season. Um, when you have mouth know. defeats like Antetokounmpo, Monroe back in the lineup, Middleton, I just I don't know, man. I don't want to get back into this because we talk about this far too much. I think it was just a down game for Parker. I don't know. I'm not not too concerned. He hit a three. That was nice. First time all season that that he and Giannis have both hit threes in the same game. What? See, that's um, one of the craziest stats. Well, I mean, Parker's only hit five threes, so there's not, and they've all come within the last like twelve games. Goodness gracious! He's shooting forty percent from three on the month. Just saying. <laughs> four of ten <laughs> um but yeah i mean it was he, he was just kind of a non-factor he didn't play poorly he you know he had he hit a floater in the lane he, he hit that three and that was really about it, it would, the second half was very kids almost running platoons at this point he was you know five man five man bench rotation rashad vaughn's in the d-league inglis basically steps into his spot um you know they kind, they kind of play the starters as a group and the bench as a group so the rotations are a little bit odd and and a guy like parker i think you know he plays primarily with the starting group but like you said there are mouths to feed you know Giannis playing on the ball more he was actually switched off the ball late in the game 
uh, which which drew quite a bit of ire from from Bucks Twitter. I, Giannis took a shot. I think his last field goal ca- attempt came around like the three and a half mark. Middleton used six straight possessions to either shoot or turn it over uh, to end that game before Bayless went to the line. Bucks were up one, um, up one with nine seconds left. Bayless misses both of them. His Pistons, only two attempted free throws of yes. the game. Pistons come down. Catavius Caldwell Pope missed what felt like his fiftieth three of the game of the game of the game. The game for being down one, just a running pull up three, basically. But uh, Drummond able to get the rebound and put it right back up. That, I mean, that was a heck of an effort by Andre Drummond. You know, watching the slow motion kind of zoomed out version, you see him. He basically starts on the other side of the rim, just kind of backs his way, pushing Giannis Antetokounmpo out of the way. Uh, a valiant effort by Giannis, but like nobody, I don't know how many guys in the league. There's like three that can kind of stick with Drummond when he's boxing out. I don't know who would be able to even offer much resistance. Yeah, should we come up with that list? Perk, Zaza, Randolph, basically anybody that plays for the Grizzlies, yeah. and then <laughs> a few other guys. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, Bayless on your team in general is supposed to play that Jared Dudley role where you, he provides consistency, reliability, missing two free throws in the stretch that would have at least, you know, made it where the Pistons could have only tied. Um, or even then, you know, they, they, a a two pointer of the two that Monroe would have ultimately made would have tied the game. Uh, so you just can't have that out of a guy like Bayless. Like, why is he on your team if he's not going to hit free throws? I know that's kind of like the old proverbiage, but, uh, I mean, that's what you're hoping to have at, at, like an older point guard type of player is, is to have him on the board in their scenarios. Like you said, Caldwell Pope attempted three or 11 three-pointers, which is just insane considering he only converted on two of 11 from those. He was launching, like, just weird shots, like shots that, you know, even for, I don't watch a ton of KCP, but I was just like, I was like, baffled that he was taking all these shots sometimes he hits man he gets on when he gets on fire it's it's pretty fun to watch but uh unfortunately reggie jackson and kcp kind of have that same mentality where they're they'll happily jack up shots like that and van gundy ultimately it's just cringing on the sidelines mm-hmm. all right be a part of the action all season long at draftkings.com the official dfs partner of rotowire with daily fantasy you don't need to spend months micromanaging a roster you can play whenever you want you can pick a new team every time you play Challenge your friends in a custom league to prove that you're the superior GM, or you can square off against basketball fans from around the country for big prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter that promo code ROTOHOOPS to play free. DraftKings, the official DFS partner of RotoWire. Again, that promo code is ROTOHOOPS, and you can use that at DraftKings.com. All right, let's get, skip through these last four pretty quickly here. Do you have any notes from Washington at Atlanta? Uh, the starting five for Washington I like quite a bit. Obviously, they took care of business, so we're talking Morris, Porter Jr., Gortat, Wall, Beal. Uh, if we throw all the, if we exclude the Cavaliers, the starting five they can compete with anybody. Toronto, Boston, obviously Atlanta. I, th- I I like the starting five a lot, and they just haven't been healthy enough. I think throughout the portions of the year, obviously Morris is, has only been there so long. So I like this Wizards team. Uh, we're going to talk about it hopefully real quick here. Which two Eastern Conference teams will be left out of the mix? If the Wizards make the playoffs and they somehow are in that second, third, um, or they're playing the second or third team in the in the East, they could give a team like Miami or Boston trouble. Obviously, I mean they they handled the Hawks quite nicely. Maybe I think that you know saying the starting five can beat anybody. I think they can beat anybody six through eight in the Eastern Conference. I, I don't know. I think this is this is not a good basketball team. This is a five hundred team. Uh, John Wall, even after the win last night, was was a little bit cantankerous, I guess. Uh, at practice, told, he told Jorge Castillo of the Washington Post, quote, this is a F-word year for me. Uh, apparently that's, a, that's an adjective now. I don't like it. Don't matter if I'm averaging 20, 10, and 5. So what does an F year mean? <laughs> Dude, that guy is always discontent no matter what happens. Yeah, Obviously, so that, I mean, that's not F like year, you're coming but... off a win. You're very much in the playoff race right now. A one and a half back uh, of Chicago and Detroit who are both tied at, uh, for the eight right now. I, it's just an odd thing to say. That doesn't, that doesn't speak waves to me about his confidence as you know with 12 games left or whatever it is. Yeah, I know that's fair. That dude is always unhappy. doesn't matter. But I tell you what, Bradley Beal in the playoffs last year, last couple of years, pretty solid. I, and I'll be really excited if he's um, if he duplicates his performance from last year's playoffs. This team is dangerous, man. I'm telling you, watch out. It, if you if you want to throw the word dangerous around, like they they could give 
I, I just I don't even th- I don't think they could even give Toronto a scare. I mean, if they you get know, in, they're going to be the the seven or the eight. I think it's I think it's a fifty fifty toss up if they play Toronto. What? Yeah. What are you talking, dude? They're they're fourteen games behind Toronto. Yeah, it doesn't matter now because this is a completely different reconstructed team. They didn't have Morris on the team. Beal has been injured to points. Hilario doesn't even like wake up until the playoffs. Okay, you can't call him Hilario. <laughs> I've never. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone call him Hilario. I know. No, I'm. I'm reviving this thing. Jared Dudley. I mean, he's exactly who you want on your team in the playoffs. He's going to be reliable. He's going to stretch the court. I'm just saying, Ramon Sessions is is not an amazing point guard. But if you're looking for reliability in the playoffs, who've been there and done that before have a little taste of it i i don't mind this team whatsoever nick and i and i think in in all in all seriousness that two through eight in the eastern conference is just going to be a complete toss-up if the wizards sneak in there i would not be surprised if they won a couple rounds i'll give you three through eight it's a toss-up i'm not giving you two through eight but agree to disagree on that sacramento at chicago nice win for the bulls a, a team that's been up and down lately I mean, I don't know what to say about the Kings. They have fallen into maximum Kings mode over these last couple of weeks. And it, I mean, this is the second year in a row where they've had a the couple flashes of, you know, nine or 10 games where you really get to see, you know, what this team could be. And, you know, it's probably not more than maybe a 500 team, but that's a huge, huge improvement from the last almost 10 years of Kings basketball. What do you mean? They had a great game last night. They held the Bulls to below their season average points allowed. I think, were they allowing 114? Per game, the Kings are by a wide margin. They're the worst. In Great the defensive performance. Great performance. Yeah. Holding the Bulls to 109 points. Uh, yeah, a Bulls team that routinely scores in the mid 80s against any other opponent. Uh, I tell you what, this is the second time all year that Gibson, Gasol, Rose, Butler, and Dunleavy have started together. You have to think that's going to be the starting five for the remainder of the season. So if they start to hit their stride, I, I throw this win out the window because the Kings are just so bad. And you have George Carl, who's a lame duck coach, starting James Anderson, starting Quincy AC. I know that kind of placeholders to keep rotations intact but you'd love to see Omri Caspi seeing a lot more minutes than he was last night 22 after the game Carl was asked you know why did Butler see 21 minutes and he said oh, his family was in the stand so I wanted to give him some time it's like that's your justification for playing Karan Butler it's a boss uh, explanation it's a boss I love that. well he's a lame duck coach he has absolutely <laughs> nothing to lose I didn't know he said that. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, okay, Warriors at, at Minnesota. This was one that kind of looked like it might turn into a, a Spurs-Hornets result for a little bit, but Golden State able to turn it on at the end and, and beat what's just plain and simple a less talented Minnesota team. But I don't know. The Wolves played them close. I think this says more to me about the Wolves fight than it does you know Golden State. I think they kind of had... This game could have gone two ways, you know, either like it did or a major blowout where they just you know take out all the anger of that Spurs game. But... Curry's still struggling a little bit, two of nine from three. Thompson went five of five from three, but missed the, missed his other nine shots. So those two guys still a little bit off. Uh, not too worried about Golden State. I am a little more worried than you are, um, just because things are looking a little sluggish for them. Now, I dare not compare them to the Atlanta Hawks of last year. I, I won't be fool enough, foolish enough to do that to where they... Shouldn't, yeah. You shouldn't have even gotten this far. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I just wanted to get you going. Um, I, I don't know. I just think that mentally it takes a lot of effort, and it, it's showed this weekend and in this game to keep pace and keep on par with that 72-10 and 10 record. Mental fatigue is a real thing, and I think ideally, you know, you'd, you'd be resting your guys right now. You'd be heading into the playoffs fresh. Maybe they'll reset in the first and second rounds, but I you know ideally if you're setting your if you're trying to set yourself up to win a championship this is not how you do it um you're going to be resting guys you're not going to be getting anguished uh a big beef i have with the timberwolves is yeah they played a great game everyone timberwolves twitter was out there saying so much potential on this team they're playing these warriors you know what i don't give i don't care at all they should be playing this hard and this motivated in every single game. And you know what? They'd be a decent NBA team. They shouldn't need the Warriors across their opponent's chest for them to play like this. Why the heck are they not playing like this every single time they play out? To me, that's a coaching issue. And with Mitchell still being in the regime, you know, still being the guy there, you just got to get him out. You had to get a new coach in. You didn't do it. I know, I know, I know that it's a it's quite a unique situation. But if the Timberwolves are able to play this motivated and this cohesive at any point during the season, the coaching staff should be able to get them to do the same thing during their other eighty one games in the season. Sure, I mean, I, I've I've 
totally on board with blaming Sam Mitchell at all times. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking back at the the 95 96 Bulls right now. Their their final do. stretch run, and they lost to a 21 win Raptors team. Um, almost exactly a year to the date from yesterday, and they also lost to a 500 Hornets team in their final 15 games. So it happens. I mean, they lost three times in their last 15, and and still went on that run, and you know are still such a respected team. They lost three games in the entire playoffs. One of them was in overtime uh, at New York. So not too worried. Not to, I'm not really going to put any stock into this game at all for the Warriors. Fair enough. Last right. game of the night. Does he even deserve mentioning? No. So let's not mention it. No. All right. Well, we will mention, though, Wix.com. If you need a website, why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix has something for you. It's used used by more, I should say, than 75 million people worldwide. Wix makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor tool. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or a designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for that business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that is where our friends at Wix.com come in. With Wix, it's easy and it's free. Go to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. A couple of random topics before we jump into trivia here, Nick. Uh, our boy, Casey Johnson, the Chicago Tribune, put out on Twitter, let us know that the Bulls are taking their official team photo today. He said something along the lines of, who would have guessed that Kirk Heinrich would not be a part of the official team photo, but Justin Holiday would. Um, my thing here is, I think you just got to get Drake and you got to position him right behind Holiday in the team photo, just mouth wide open for Drake, letting Holiday know no timeouts left. That that would be an interesting move. I would be I would be pretty surprised if the Bulls. I mean, Drake is technically an employee of the Raptors. You have to remember. I I don't know if he could even legally appear in that photo. Uh, I don't care. I, okay. I still think it should. Be. I, it would just be like, why would they want him in the team photo? Like Justin Holiday was not like clamoring. He probably doesn't want to remember that. I do. See, I do. And everybody else does. Well, Photoshop them in there then. Isn't it funny? I guess, I mean, this is the case for any sport, but that you take your official team photo 60 games in, and so somebody like a Kirk Heinrich is not involved with this, I suppose. I don't know. When do you think they should take the official team photos? Because I, I think Game I'm Game one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm so surprised that they're, you know, doing it this late. Where do, where do they play tonight do, or in the next couple of days? They, they, I think they host they, New York. Okay, so it's not even like they're in – like Seattle, and they could take it on the water. Or why would they be in Seattle? Jeez. If yeah, that, I mean, they could just do like a destination photo, I guess. Well, I think teams do official photos when they play in London. So I think like the Nets might have done it. And the yeah, Magic I think that's just a PR thing. I mean, most of them just take it at their facility, don't they? With a you know, with a team background. Why would you do it sixty games in? I don't know. That is a good question. I do not know. Trivia. Got one NBA question today. The rest of them are more NCAA related. I'm still caught a bad case of tournament fever this weekend, and it's still burning. Um, so we'll start with the only NBA question. I just want to know the two teams with winning records right now entering Tuesday that have negative point differentials. So I'll say the Bulls for one. Correct. All right. So some potential answers out there would be the Pistons, Pacers, Looking at the Western Conference, uh, Trailblazers. I'll say Trailblazers. False. Part of this might be this this team that has the negative differential in the West has been blown out by 40-plus twice this year. The Grizzlies? Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Minus 1.3. They're 41-30. and That's crazy. Yeah, I I would be interested to see where that – I'll have to look back and see where that differential was at like three weeks ago. Uh, but Houston and Dallas, they're both 500. They have negative differentials. Uh, the Wizards are 500. They also have negative differentials. So more teams could be added to this list depending on what happens these next couple nights. All right, lightning round. Uh, I say lightning round. Uh, I don't know how quick this will be. It's going to be some of the slowest lightning uh, probably of all time. Uh, but there are six ACC teams remaining in the NCAA tournament. Name them. All right. We've got Duke, Virginia, Miami, and this is where the lightning slows down. Right. 
Notre Dame. I need two like more. Like Notre Lame, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, dude. Uh, I, I mean, I, obviously I'm not allowed to pull up a bracket. Um, Definitely not. One of them is a one seed. The other, if I tell you the seed, it'll give it away. So there's the hint. Syracuse? Not the one. Uh, well, Virginia's a one. Well, right. I mean, so I'm, yeah. Oh, the but there's another one seed. Uh, North Carolina. There we go. All right. That was medium speed lightning. You want a bonus? Maryland should be in there. Just saying. There. What? Dude, Maryland is on the coast, man. Oh, oh, you're just saying they shouldn't be in the Big Ten? Yeah, pretty much. That was not the time to broach that subject. Okay. All right. Um, name at least one current or former NBA player from each of the remaining 16 teams in the tournament. Now, uh, I So this one, yes. Now yes. you can pull up a bracket. So let me – yeah, I want to start. So Kansas, Jeff Withy. Go bonus I, w- I would have gone probably Paul Pierce there, but yes. Uh, don't tell me what to do. Maryland, Steve Blake. Steve Blake. Miami, Shane Larkin. Correct. Villanova. This is a tough one for me. I don't think I'm... You got a few to choose from. One very prominent player. Oh, Otto Porter? No, he's, he's, Georgetown. Uh, he's Georgetown. Georgetown, Villanova, Xavier all kind of run together. I will give you that. They do. As a mid, as somebody who has grown up in the Midwest, they so all let me think. Together. You got. Uh, I don't want. I don't know how to give you some hints oh, here. Oh, oh, David West. He's Xavier. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so that that speaks to your point, I guess. Um, again, one let of me them, come back to it. There's one of them was an All Star. Uh, there's one that plays for New Orleans. There's one that plays for oh, Kyle OKC. Lowry. Kyle Lowry. Okay. Dante Cunningham. Uh, Randy Foy. Okay. Yeah, those just aren't my type of guys. I don't know. I, I'm not a Villanova sure. guy, apparently. Fair uh, Oregon, Joe Young. Yep. Uh, Duke. Ugh, Take your pick. Plumley. Texas A&M. Where are you at, AC Law? Instead, I'll go DeAndre Jordan, Oklahoma, Blake Griffin. Come on. North Carolina, Harrison Barnes, Indiana, Tyler Zeller. Mm-mm. No, Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller. Uh, I actually tried to think that out, and I didn't do a good job. Notre Dame. Interesting. Not a ton to choose from. Right. Let me skip it. You might want to think very recent for these guys. Yeah, I know. That's it. Like Shane, re- Shane Whittington, Whittington, what's that guy's name? No, no, no. no. Um, that's a good guess, but no, he uh, he went to somewhere in Michigan, didn't he? Yeah, that makes sense. Let me skip Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Sam Decker, Virginia, Joe Harris, Iowa State. Man, Iowa State's a tough one too. I want to say Royce Young, but I guess that doesn't. Royce White. Royce White, but that doesn't. That doesn't. Well, I did say current or former, I guess. Oh, you did. That's right. I've been keeping um, it all current. Yeah, I mean, there's a. Yeah, we'll I'll give you that. I guess. All right, fair enough. Gonzaga, Robert Sacre. Sure. Syracuse. Carmelo Anthony. So back to Notre Dame. I want to go. Oh. uh... Jerry and Grant. Jerry and Grant. Nice. Also would have accepted Pat Connaughton or Luke yeah, Arangoti. Pat Connaughton. Man, that's who I was trying to think I of. think one of the Zeller brothers went there, didn't he? Didn't Luke Zeller go there? <laughs> yeah, he I did. I didn't know there was All a All right, Luke. so we would have accepted Luke Zeller as well. He had a brief cup of coffee with the old Phoenix Suns back in the day. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right, that went pretty well. Nice. I'm, pr- I, I'm proud that I did current. Yeah. Okay. 2006 UConn, one of the best uh, college basketball teams in recent memory. They lost to George Mason, one of many teams that lost to George Mason in the 06 Elite Eight. Can you name the four UConn players who would end up being drafted in the first round a few months later? Hashim Tabit? No, no, no. Earlier than that. Oh, yeah. I'm in trouble. All four were first rounders. Two of them went to the Nets. Um, The others went to, I got to make sure they were actually drafted. One of them was drafted by Houston, but ended up in Memphis on draft night. The other one was drafted by what was at the time, the New Orleans slash Oklahoma City Hornets. 
Dude, I I'm I don't know any of them. Okay, well, yeah, Rudy Gay. He was, he was number eight. He was kind of the stud of that team. Hilton Armstrong, no, who flamed out of the league, as we know, pretty pretty quickly. Okay. And then back-to-back, Marcus Williams and Josh Boone. Dude, I would have not. I remember oh. Boone, but I would I remember no Boone way. for his very, like, he kind of looked like that Post Malone guy. <laughs> yes. Like, a lot, actually. Marcus Williams I liked a lot. Big point guard, never really did anything at all in the NBA. But all four of those guys were pretty remarkable college players. And they had Villanueva on the team the year before. Wow, yeah. Man, I'm getting old. 20, 2016. 10 years like, ago. Yeah. Crazy. Um, all right, so speaking of 10 years ago, name the starting five for the 05 through 07 Florida Gators. Those teams, of course, won back-to-back titles. Jakeem Noah. Was David Lee on that team? Lee graduated the year before the first title. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Al Horford. Corey Brewer. All right, those are the big three. Now the, the next two are tough. Yeah, there was like a, a a white point guard who was pretty good. Yeah, I mean he was he was more the shooting guard, just kind of ran around and took spot up shots, kind of yeah. played a JJ Redick type of game. Sure, I yeah. I'm so not that was sure. Lee Humphrey. Oh yeah, okay. And then the point guard, I think he played a little bit in the NBA, but was never really caught on. Torian Green. Oh, yeah, dude, you are so good at remembering these names. They just they fade, they fade they into me. Yeah, I, I just you know I figured you know two time two time championship team, and <laughs> I couldn't find College Sports Reference didn't have uh, like game started, but they all, they all five of those guys led the team in minutes both years. So I'm going to go ahead and and play with the Put assumption that they that they were the starting five for both years. All right, uh, this season is the 10 year anniversary of which two players splitting the Naismith Award. Well, I guess it's a very high profile race for the award and for the national scoring title, if that helps. No, it doesn't, but it's good to know that it was back in the Rudy Gay um, time Mm -hmm. frame. One of these players went on to be a pretty good NBA player who still plays. One of them very quickly flamed out of the league, but was a very, very, very big name in college, obviously. I'll say Carmelo Anthony. No, I mean, so this is like 05, 06. <laughs> I hate that look and that clarification. You always give <laughs> well, I just want to like make sure. I'm, well, like I didn't, I'm supposed to have an aha moment. Well, I didn't say the year. I, only, I just said 10-year anniversary, so I don't know if maybe you didn't, you know, didn't calculate that correctly. Sue me, all right? <laughs> Sue me. You have a way of making me feel like a... a, a it's not like I just... A, a I look these hill. up. It's not like I just know all this stuff, know, just, so know, we're, just so we're clear. But you're just like, oh, no, dude, just this. And I'm just like, oh, aha. Well, I don't know. They're big names. Adam Morrison and J.J. Redick. Oh, snap. I should know that. You're right. Oh, snap, indeed. All right, let's finish out. You tell me the all-time leading scorer at the following schools. Start right away. Duke. J.J. Redick? Yes. <laughs> My tone would lead you to believe it's yeah. J.J. Redick. Um, like the, the, I wish people could see the eyes that you give me. Like You're just like piercing me with your eyes. Like, <laughs> um, All right, Indiana. This one's a little bit tougher, but this guy is also the Big Ten, yes, the Big Ten all-time leading scorer, so that maybe makes it a little easier. Kind of a journeyman NBA player who is pretty decent, but never that good. Steve Alford? Good guess. He's got to be top five in, yeah, in Indiana. Yeah, he has to be. Very good guess. Calbert Chaney. Calbert Chaney, the all-time leader in scoring in the Big Ten. Okay. I barely remember the thing that is about name. doing that, about setting these school records is it's oftentimes not like the star player sure. you know it's just the guy who was pretty good for four years because that's really what it takes and that definitely epitomizes the next guy here North Carolina Tyler Hansborough Tyler Hansborough wow that's pretty amazing right I mean all the guys that have come through there I don't know how many have stayed four years I guess and obviously it was a little more popular to do that back in the day I mean it's it's, it's crazy to think that Jordan you know a guy like that would have stayed more than one year uh, Marquette. So I almost want to say Novak, Steve Novak. No, uh, I would like to say Wade, but I think he came out after his sophomore year, something like that. He didn't. Yeah. Wade didn't play enough. Um, Wes Matthews, of course, is an option. It is. It was actually a teammate of Wes Matthews, a starting backcourt mate. Jimmy Butler. Nope. No. Butler was a little later. 
Um, hmm. A name that was big at the time, but has very much faded away. Never had much of an NBA career. I think he still played summer league a year or two ago, actually. You actually, somebody was talking about him in the office today, and I don't think I'm going to remember his name, though. Jarrell McNeil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. McNeil, kind of a guy you wouldn't think of, I guess, with some of the bigger names that have come through Marquette. All right, we'll finish out with Michigan. And full disclosure, I asked this one to DVR before the podcast, and he got it right away, which I don't, I would never have gotten this. But just so you know, DVR knows his Michigan hoops. Yeah. Uh, well, the Fab Five were they're not in contention because they were out didn't play there. long enough. Didn't play. Long I don't know yet. if there's points even count historically. I don't know if they would oh, be vacated. Right. I think they would, right? Technically, yeah. I think so. But we all remember. Yeah. Um, Karis LeVert is kind of an interesting option because he's been there a while. But I, he I, know is, he's I mean, not, he's been hurt for a yeah, year and a half. He's been hurt. But, like Karis LeVert. Geez, yeah. You're on fire today, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the least inspiring. Yeah. And Steph Curry hits another shot. I, yeah. I guess he's on fire today. <laughs> there, there we go. Oh, man. Well, good for DVR. Yeah. I, uh, to be honest, I kind of totally forgot this guy even went to Michigan. So basically what I'm saying is don't feel bad at all if you don't get this one. Thank you. Oh, man. I want to get this. I want to finish strong, but you know what? He wore number 41 in the NBA, if that helps. Not a lot of players have worn 41, prominent players at least. Good players at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice. The yeah. all-time leading scorer that sounds like in Michigan history. DVR. That would, that's like right in DVR's kind of age wheelhouse. Right. I think he went 0 for 4 before that, though. And then he comes through with Glenn Rice. <laughs> it's typical DVR behavior. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for us. As always, use Wix.com. Go build a bunch of websites. Use SeatGeek. Go buy a bunch of tickets. Use DraftKings. Go win a bunch of money over there. They're going to kill the love of my life. Yay! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.